Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode deals with serious and distressing content. Listener discretion is advised. You know, I was sound asleep in my bed and I could hear a gnawing sound, a gurgling and a gnawing sound. It seemed to be right under my pillow. Robert Wayne Ridgway bought a nitrogen cylinder and hose which he used to pump gas into a caravan where Pepita Ridgway was sleeping. If you cranked it right up, you'd make an awful roar. <laughs> He's trying to kill me. If I wanted to bump somebody off, they would be bumped off. I have to survive this. This is how I survived. Stories of everyday people and how they survived against the odds. I'm your host, Beth Young. You know, am I going to die or what? I mean, I, I look back at it now and I thought, you know, how did I ever survive that? I think that I probably survived for a reason. How I survived. When Pepita Nichols was 30 years old, she was looking for love. Having recently come out of a 5-year relationship, the intelligent, beautiful and independent Pepita was looking for a man who was ready to settle down and have a family. Living in Queensland, Australia, one weekend her friends invited her on a boat trip, and there was a single guy there who caught her eye, Robert Ridgway, a handsome American bachelor, 14 years her senior. On that sunny day in 1997, Pepita had no way of knowing that she'd not only just met her future husband, but also the man who was going to callously try and gas her to death while she slept. And he was sitting alone, so I kind of went and talked to him. So it was nice to have intelligent conversation um, with Robert. He was a he was smart. He was being charming. There was really nothing alarming that made him seem that different to anybody else to me. We got married only three months after we met, which seemed very rushed, but、um, that we thought it was all natural at the time. I started to notice he had a short fuse quite early in the marriage. We'd been to a party.、Uh, this was only about three months in, and I was dancing with a man who I actually thought was gay, but Robert didn't like that. And on the way home in the car, he actually he actually hit me、um, quite hard. My face was quite bruised, and my lip was split. And he had me by the neck there, and he was driving the car. And we'd been drinking, and I was getting really scared because he was driving really fast. And、um, I wanted to get out of the car. I said, "I can walk home to Mum's. Just let me out. I want to get out."、Um, basically, he pulled over and pushed me out of the car, and I walked about two kilometres home to my parents' house. Pepita forgave Robert. It seemed so out of character for the quiet, unassuming man she'd married, and for more than a decade, he didn't lay a finger on her. Building a life together, Robert and Pepita travelled the world, had three beautiful children, and moved from Australia to the USA, where Pepita ran a successful business and Robert worked as a scientist. Life was good. But Robert always had a selfish side and could be controlling and manipulative. Then, 
In 2011, while they were in Las Vegas, he turned aggressive once again. We were up in the hotel room, which was up, you know, one of the higher floors. It was early in the morning, about seven in the morning, and he went down to get breakfast. And he came up with, you know, food and drinks for himself and the three children, but nothing for me, which was kind of normal in that relationship. And I said to him, you know, you could have just brought me a cup of tea. And he, it just triggered something in him and he just went berserk. Um, and he was very abusive. And when I say he was abusive, I say he used every swear word. He was very demeaning. He's, you know, towards me, he would say, I could have done better. You know, you shouldn't have married you in the first place. You're a terrible wife, you know, those sorts of things. And I said to him, look, if you're going to treat me like this, I don't want to be married to you. You know, I want, I want to get a divorce. I don't want to be with a person like this. And that even that sent him off even worse. And he said, you're not going to divorce me. If, if you divorce me, I'll kill you. I was really angry at him. and I didn't really want to have anything more to do with him at that stage. I didn't really speak to him for, I don't know, it would have been close to a week. Basically, the only thing that made me sort of go back to normal was that he was polite to me. There was no apology or remorse or anything. He was very righteous about what he did and what he said. But I always took those acts of kindness and being polite as his apology and I just accepted and, and moved on. Although Pepita stayed with Robert, the terrifying incident in the hotel room got her thinking about moving home to Australia where she'd have family support. So in 2013, she and the kids flew back to Oz, followed by Robert three months later. But as they settled back into Queensland life, Robert's behaviour became more bizarre. He began to talk intensely about conspiracy theories and even started doomsday prepping. Then, one afternoon, Robert and Pepita got into a row and his behaviour escalated. Grabbing her by the neck, he pushed her against the wall. Scared for her life, Pepita moved out of the family home and into a little vintage caravan that was parked up next to the house. On July 4, 2016, she went to speak to a lawyer about getting a divorce. I came home from the um, divorce lawyer. I got home about midday. I saw Robert out the back and he was behind the caravan when I got back and he was playing with hoses. Robert's a scientist and he has inventions sort of all over the property and, you know, all sorts of little microwave bits everywhere and empty microwaves that have had the magnets pulled out out the back. So he's always um, tinkering (laughs) things. So when I saw him at the back playing with a hose, I'm like, what are you doing? And he just mumbled at me, which he does. So I had nothing to be alarmed about that day, um, except for those, you know, in hindsight, I know what he was doing now. I cooked dinner that night. I cooked a really nice uh, green curry for the family. Um, We all sat around um, the living room and uh, we talked a little bit, although he was a bit sullen, a bit dark, darker than, you know, normal days, but still there present you know eating with us and stuff and again in hindsight I think how could he sit there and have a pleasant sort of conversation knowing what he was going to do that night I went to the car around about 9 9 30 p.m at about two o'clock that morning you know I was sound asleep in my bed and I could hear a gnawing sound a gurgling and a gnawing sound so I thought it might have been rats chewing on the wire under the caravan but then I thought surely they must take a break if they're rats they don't just chew continuously for several minutes so then I thought it might have been the pump 
um, which is about three metres away from the caravan, the water pump, um, running and having playing up. Um, but then I listened and it didn't seem to be coming from three metres away. It seemed to be right under my pillow. And so I thought, well, the only thing that's under my pillow is the hose that goes to the caravan that feeds the water to the caravan sink. So I actually got up. I was nervous. And I opened the door to the caravan, went outside, went outside and climbed under the sink area. And the hose had not, was not attached. It was just laying on the ground to the sink area that's kind of the front of the caravan. So then I thought, well, that's not that. Can't be that sound. So I actually went back into the caravan and could still hear the gurgling quietly from below my bed. I lived up the whole unit, which is like a storage bench. And I looked underneath and that's when I saw hose, green hose, garden hose taped with duct tape around underneath my um, bed area. And I also saw a hose just coming up from the floor. And then I could hear the gurgling coming directly from that hose. So I was at that point pretty scared and really um, thinking about explosions and things like that, about being blown up. I should have really thought, oh, I've got to tuck this up and put it away, you know, but you just don't think when you're starting to get that nervous and it's two o'clock in the morning, you've just woken up. So I um, went out the back of the caravan. I saw where the hose was attached underneath the caravan and I followed the hose with the light from my phone and I followed that light and the hose continued all the way down to the carport, which is about 20 metres away from the house. And I'd noticed that there was a little set of steps that had been built down to the bottom of the car port and down those steps in the corner of the carport was a big gas cylinder and the hose was attached to that gas cylinder i turned it off the noise stopped and that's when it was the middle of winter it would have been maybe 10 degrees and i only had bare feet but i just was so full of adrenaline that i actually just ran i decided to just run very very quietly barefoot down to my brother's house which is about 100 meters away from my house Pepita knew Robert was behind this. His science experiments had turned sinister. With her three children and elderly mother still in the house with Robert, Pepita knew she had to get them out. But she also knew that he had a gun, so she'd have to do it without alerting Robert. Running to the nearby house of her brother Sasha and sister-in-law Tanya, she hoped she'd be able to wake them up without her husband hearing. I was full of adrenaline and... It was almost like a craziness, just fear, realisation, adrenaline, just almost not just going into survival mode. Just, I have to survive this. I have to get my children out safely. I have to get my mother out safely. You know, like, he's trying to kill me. What is he doing? What's his goal there with the gas pumping into the caravan? You know, what sort of gas is that? Yeah, I ran down to my brother's. I banged on the window of my brother's house. He opened the door and he was just woken up too, so he was a bit dumbfounded with his wife, Tanya. And then they sort of said, well, calm down, calm down, what's going on? And I explained it to them, but I was panting. And I was saying, my husband's trying to kill me, my husband's trying to kill me, or Robert's trying to kill me. And they're like, oh, don't be ridiculous, you must be having a nightmare. And um, I said, no, it's no nightmare. (laughs) And I started to dial 911, which in Australia we had triple O, but because I lived in America for 11 years, I dialed 911. And so when the they answered they were also a little bit confused about whether I was on drugs whether I was insane so they didn't really respond very well 228775 thank you police emergency when you require the police 
uh, uh, well, I don't know what to do because my husband's um, gassed something up to my caravan. There's a what? There's a cord going from a gas cylinder to my caravan. It's under my bed. It's all taped up with black tape. I heard this hissing noise, and I woke up and I pulled my bed apart and I found it under my bed. Gabby's got a gun. He's American. He's he's too scary. The car needs to blow it up. I'm not too sure. Sasha said, look, we have to go back up there because I really, I need to see what's going on and who knows if that was the best decision. It was probably a very silly decision, but he didn't, he just didn't get what was going on. So he wanted to see it for himself. Um, so he, he took me back up with a flashlight and Tanya came up with her phone, but we got up to the caravan. You could clearly see there was hoses and there was 10 drilled holes in the wood underneath my pillow so that the gas could go from the hose up to into the caravan. I showed them, we went down to the gas cylinder. But by that time, Robert had disconnected the hose from the caravan and from the gas cylinder. So he knew what we were doing. So he was in the house and he knew what we were doing. Although terrified for her children and mum, Pepita had no choice but to wait for the police to arrive. They ushered Pepita and her brother and sister-in-law 500 metres from the house. Because there was a gun on the premises, they had to wait an hour for a SWAT team to come and get her mum and kids out. They couldn't just pull up at the house. For me, it just seemed like forever. And when you've got the adrenaline pumping that fast in you and you've got children and it was just horrible. As the police decided to convoy up there, which would have been about three police cars, um, I was waiting in the ambulance around the corner. And then for the next couple of hours, I really didn't know what was going on. And during that time, they got Robert, they took lots of photographs, they put him in the um, police car um, and they made him wait in the police car while they checked on the children and my mother and got the gun. He basically denied everything at that stage. Here's Robert during his police interview. I didn't see the connection you're talking about. And even if I did, which I didn't, uh, I would just say why? You know, who's wasting my expensive gas? <laughs> but who would do that? Only an amateur. I, I'm not that stupid. You know, I'm smarter than that. If, if I wanted to bump somebody off, they would have been bumped off. <laughs> the fact that they're here is the proof that I didn't. <laughs> because, I mean, if, if I was going to do what you're saying, I wouldn't do it the stupid way. I would be smart about it. You know, for God's sake, I'm not that stupid. <laughs> so really, but somebody thinks I am. <laughs> so... After being taken in for questioning, Robert was released the next afternoon. Terrified for her life, Pepita changed the locks and installed surveillance cameras at her home. Finally, a month later, Robert was charged with attempted murder. Then, almost two years after the incident, Robert Ridgway, 64, appeared at Brisbane Supreme Court where he pleaded not guilty. Until the trial, Pepita had been left wondering what was in the gas cylinder and why her husband had pumped it into her caravan. Likely, it was pure greed. The Ridgways had been married for 18 years and had several investments in Queensland and overseas. The prosecution will allege a divorce would have been complicated, but Pepita's death would have meant a swift conclusion for Robert. I pieced together a lot of what happened and also I did a bit of research about what um, inert gas asphyxiation is because I had no idea at that stage that if you're breathing um, air, we're breathing 22% um, oxygen and about 70% nitrogen. But if you reduce that 22% oxygen by only a couple of percent, you can just be put to sleep and die. 
So what he was trying to do was to raise the nitrogen level into the caravan um, and then I would suffocate from not getting enough oxygen and just go to sleep and die. The nitrogen gas is just harmless. It's just, it's, it's, that's why it's useful. You know, it's, it's clean, it's dry, it's harmless, it's uh, safe to work with. Um, that, you know, and I've worked around it for 30 years. I know for a fact it's not going to do anything. It's, it's nothing. It's just a nothing. When the trial came, um, there's nothing to prepare a victim for things like that. It is a horrible experience for any victim who has to go through that because, yes, you know, the perpetrator's in the room with you. This was a Supreme Court trial, a big room. You're on your own. It's cold. You're not prepared. You don't know what you're going to be hit with. And the whole aim of the defence team is to discredit the victim, to make it look like the victim caused it or was partly responsible for it or was not a creditable person, that the perpetrator is a better person than they are. It was harrowing, and my interviewing went for two days. So that was a very, very hard time. But the evidence was stacked against Robert. Detectives discovered receipts for black duct tape and cable ties used to secure the hosing. His fingerprints were on the sticky side of the tape, and Robert was caught on camera purchasing a cylinder of nitrogen. He exchanged it for a bigger size on the day, claiming he needed it to get a job done. Then there were the chilling Google searches he made. Self-generated stress in female spouses. Liquid nitrogen sourcing in Queensland. Stroke in female spouse causes. After a gruelling three-week trial, it took a jury just an hour to find Robert Ridgway guilty of attempted murder and he was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Pepita decided not to be in the room when the verdict was read out and as Robert never admitted to trying to kill her, she never got an answer as to why he wanted his wife and the mother of his three children dead. Robert never admitted that he wanted me dead, no, he, he did. He created a series of other stories. But he did say in the police interview that he said, um, if I did this, I would have been a lot smarter about it. I would have got this right. And... I read that as him thinking in his head that if he gets another chance, he'll get it right. And that's a scary thing to me. I think the police realised that too. When Robert was found guilty, of course, it was a huge sense of relief. Um, But all the pessimism that I had beforehand just lifted and I promised myself that I would have full faith in the system from now on because that system really did work in my instance. And I felt very positive about humanity. Two and a half years on from that terrible night, Pepita is doing well. She and the kids have picked themselves up and are trying to live life as normally as possible. Incredibly, she doesn't hate Robert for what he did. I think he needs care. I think he needs counselling. I didn't know what a narcissist was before all this happened and I'm learning that he has very narcissistic characteristics, that I think he needs some help. That's what I think. I I was satisfied with the 10 year sentence because I was never hurt in any way. And I've seen women who've been through trial, who've been through a lot more physical pain and even mental pain than I've been through. Um, so I, I believe the 10 years in Australia is an adequate, adequate sentence. It's horrible for the to raise the children with them knowing what happened to me by their father. That's a very sad situation. The children are doing well, though. They went to counselling. We use humour to try and get ourselves through some of these situations. Um, so we have a bit of a giggle about some of the, the worst things that have happened to us. With hindsight, um, I think that if a man is yelling abuse at you in the height of his anger, 
that you shouldn't fob off those sorts of accusations and that sort of abuse. You need to listen to what he's saying. If he's using death threats or threats of violence, then they are, they're real. And you can't live with a man that's saying those things to you. It's very dysfunctional. You need to get out of that relationship and you need to either get cancelling or just leave and start again somewhere else. It's not the end of the world starting over again. I thought it would be. Um, but I've got back on my feet and I'm happy now. If you're experiencing domestic abuse, there is help available. Call 1800 737 732 if you're in Australia or 0800 456 450 in New Zealand. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss more incredible stories of survival. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It really helps. Next time... Dr. Michael Wong is a Melbourne surgeon who was stabbed 14 times by a former patient. He remembers every second. His knife was coming down towards my left eye. If I pass out, I'm sure the outcome will be certain death. How I survived. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.